everybody else has this high opinion. So that light bulb moment for me was like, what if I felt the same way and started living my life that way? I could actually have anything I want in my life. And that light bulb moment was like beginning of a massive decision that like catapulted all these huge decisions. It turned into me really claiming who I was and getting super excited about the fact I could have anything I wanted. Are you ready to decide it's your turn to live your most purposeful, profitable, passionate life? I'm Christina LeCure, former professional golfer turned confidence and success coach. I truly believe every one of us was put here for a God-given purpose, and it is our responsibility to live that fully. For well over a decade now, I've been turning my life as well as countless others around from feeling unworthy, incompetent, and without a purpose to living a life I cannot wait to wake up for even on days when shit hits the fan. And it all started with a decision. Yeah, you heard that right. I said God and shit in the same sentence. So clearly this won't be your typical podcast, but what I can assure you is that each week myself and my guests are going to enlighten you, fire you up, and having you walk away with stories and strategies to not only boost your confidence, but give you hope that at any moment in time, you have the power to decide it's your turn. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Decide It's Your Turn podcast. Today is going to be a good one. We're talking financial freedom, how to get it, what it is, how to create it. And I'm bringing in an expert, Nicole Lee, founder of Aria Wealth. She's a former tech founder and investor, and she now mentors women in the industry on how to get more out of their life, career, and their wealth. You guys, I always say I'm super excited, but today is a topic that I'm very excited to talk about because I'm very passionate about it. And I know my guest, Nicole, Nicole Lee with Oreo Wealth is very passionate about it as well. And today we're going to talk about financial freedom, the mindset behind financial freedom, how to create financial freedom. And especially for us women talking about creating our own financial freedom. So Nicole, I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. It's so fun to have a platform to talk about this with somebody. So just sort of sitting here by myself thinking about it. That girl. So for those who don't know, um, be sure to follow Nicole. We'll kind of talk about that two seconds. But uh, Nicole and I met because we are both investors in Lori Harder's Light Pink. And you reached out to me. We ended up connecting on social media. We had a great call. And then I was like, wait a minute. I know that other women need to hear about this. So I'm going to kind of ask you to kind of give us a little bit 411 on you. Introduce yourself to us and then we'll kind of go into it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, to start out with, I um, who I am today is certainly not who I was 20 years Amen. ago. Amen. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of a, I was going to say a hot mess, but I'll, let's just say a mess. Um, got married really young, had um, my babies in my early 20s and had a lot of ambition and unfortunately pushed all that ambition towards my husband. And uh, we founded a tech company together and I started to develop a skill set. And somewhere along the way, I kind of had that light bulb moment of like, holy shit, like I don't perceive myself the way everybody else perceives me. Everybody else has this high opinion of me. And no wonder why I feel like stuck, depressed and, um, you know, just sort of like low on myself is like, I'm such an asshole to myself. I, I don't like myself. I don't like how I think about myself, but everybody else has this high opinion. So that light bulb moment for me was like, what if I felt the same way and started living my life that way? I could actually have anything I want in my life. And that light bulb moment was like beginning of a massive decision that like catapulted all these huge decisions um, around leaving my marriage and 
it turned into me really claiming who I was and getting super excited about the fact I could have anything I wanted, create anything I wanted. And I did and went on to have a pretty successful career in technology as a tech executive. And uh, from there, it was really evident to me that my passion point was working with women and seeing I was the only female executive always in the room. And, you know, these gentlemen that I would be in different meetings with would be talking about their investments and the stock market and all these the latest house they just bought or whatever. And uh, I, I couldn't help but notice that I wasn't being invited in. Um, I wasn't being invited to the meeting um, and all the opportunities that came along for them weren't being presented to me, even though I was at the table. And so after being kind of pissed off about that for a while, I was like, well, you know what? Like, this doesn't need to be this way. I'm just going to create it for myself. So joined a group of women that um, we actually founded. It's called, well, Women's Equity Lab here up in Victoria. And um, it's 30-ish women who invest in different tech companies. And they started to um, expand into, like, there's Silicon Valley has one, Toronto, Vancouver. And then that was like, okay, cool. I learned about that. What next? And then it just started this like one thing at a time of like learning about investing. And before I knew it, I was not only having the career I wanted, but I'd set myself up for financial freedom. And the saddest part for me was I realized that my female friends didn't want to talk about it. They were uncomfortable. And I got to talk about this a lot because I worked with a lot of men and I had male friends. And so when I decided to leave my tech career, it became really obvious to me that the thing I was most obsessed with is I want more women at the table, making financial decisions, investing in more women, um, understanding how their money works so that they can make the big decisions like leaving a marriage or whatever it is. Like, I don't want women to feel stuck anymore in any way. And for me, money really became that tool. So that's a long way of saying is like, I felt like I was in a pretty disempowered place and money and wealth have been a big reason of why it's transformed for me. But it didn't come because I didn't like have this awesome life because I got wealthy. My wealth came mostly from the place of I repaired myself worth. Mm. All right, there's just so many questions that I have. We can go in all the different directions, but I really hope you ladies, especially the women who listen to those podcasts, probably, you know, 75%. I want you to like go back and listen to that. Like the one thing that I think was like the catalyst was that you said, I wanted to create the life that I wanted. Like I literally just knew that I wanted to create a life and you started believing that you are worthy of it. That's the first step, right? Like a hundred percent. Like I, you know, we talk about it all the time. People said that they want the wealth or they want this or they want that, but like you believing you are worthy of this life and worthy of being able to do all the things is in my personal opinion, the first step, because if you don't believe that you're worthy of it, how in the world can you create it? Oh. You might be able to create it, but you'll probably lose it. It's really sad too, like how many of us start from this place of like really not having any idea of how awesome we are. Mm -hmm. Like what if, what if we saw ourselves, how other people saw us, and then we were able to create a life based on that, that vision, you know what I mean? It's like when I finally like did that disconnect of like, wow, this is how people see me. I don't see myself this way. That woman actually could have the life I want. Well, how do I become that woman? Like, how do I actually embody? Well, let's talk about that. How did you actually become that woman? Because that's like the first question, right? Like I definitely, we are definitely going to hit on all of the financials, but like, how did you go from not liking yourself? Cause I know how I went from it, but I'd love your story because I want everyone out there listening to put themselves in the story. How did you go from 
not seeing yourself the way your best friend or your friends or your colleagues or your family saw you to knowing that you're pretty damn freaking awesome. Well, it didn't happen overnight. That's for no sure. Shit. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. <laughs> oh, and it's not like a book you read. It's not like there's like a series of like, I call them like death of a million cuts. Like lots of little situations happen along the way that lead to something big. But first there's a light bulb moment. Then there was like, okay, I am not figuring this out on my own. I'm a 25 year old woman who has two little babies who has founded this tech company with her husband. Her husband's never around because he's traveling to Silicon Valley every second week. I'm trying to do it all. How am I going to do it? And so the first thing I did was ask for help. Mm. Got a counselor. I got a coach and I got some help with the kids because I was trying to take care of the kids and run, help run this company all by myself. And I didn't have any friends. I had kids at that point because I, my friends were out partying and going to college and traveling the world in their early twenties. And here I was, you know, being a mom to these little babies. So I asked for help first. And then I read a couple of really key books. And the first thing I started to do, and everyone laughed at me at the time, like, but not like in a, like they were making fun of me, but they just, they didn't understand what I was trying to do. I was trying to reprogram my brain really. I had sticky notes all over my house. Yeah, girl, you and me, we're like on the exact same train here. Oh shit. I'd roll over in my bed. And the first thing I would see is like, you're awesome. What are you going to do today? You know? And then I get up and I go down and I take a pee and there'd be like a big sticky on the mirror. And then there'd be a sticky across from the toilet and you go in the kitchen, there's a sticky at the cot. Like that was my life for a while. And then the next thing I did was I wrote a mantra on my phone and I actually share all my habits on my Instagram page. Because yeah, like I, I'm showing for those of you who can't see this, I am literally showing you the mantras that I have written on my phone still to this day. Oh, it's amazing. And I also wrote a journal of like the woman I believed I was going to become. Yes. So there was like the mantras, there was the vision, everything lived on my phone and I read it. And this is embarrassing, probably a hundred times a day. And that might be a slight exaggeration. But it wasn't like four times a day. I read it over and over and over and over and over again. And I feel like I went on this like little bit of this journey. It's like I have this little boy and this little girl who think the world of me. I have this community of friends that think the world of me. My husband thinks like I hung the moon. But you know, but I hate myself. So I took myself on this journey. The journey took years, the coaching, the counseling, everything. The, probably the last thing I did was to take stock of who I was spending the most time with. And that brought on the next big key decisions, which is that my relationship wasn't healthy for me, my marriage. And um, I needed to add some like really ambitious people into my life that were as ambitious as I was, because part of why I wasn't playing as big is because I was surrounded by people that had a mindset around playing small. It's not that they were bad people. It's just they didn't, you know, they didn't have the same vision of what success was. They didn't. They just didn't think about things the way I did. I, I was the outlier in my small little town I grew up. So yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty amazing to go through the process. It was really cool to start meeting some women that were like just kicking ass in life and meeting men too, that were really excited to see how much fun I was having. Like, because there's the two sides, there's like the women that really love connecting because they were like in a 10, 20 years past ambitious and I could look to them. But then um, the women that were like your age or younger that were like, oh, how do I start vibing there? But the men that I worked with were like, my wife is super struggling with all this shit. Like, can you meet her for coffee? Like I had more coffees 
with my male counterpart wife and I can even count. Yep. Been there, done that. A hundred percent. So the, the coaching started long before the business started really because um, the coaching was kind of happening by accident. And then my career as um, a people leader in tech was, I, you know, seeing that there was no women there, it was really fun to start building more women in all these teams I was part of. And then the coaching with them. And I'm not a coach coach. Like I'm not a person that like did all the training and like has those certificates. And I'm like, no bullshit. This is what I learned. I see how you're in your way. Um, it's very much like talking to like the smartest, like, you know, when you have those girlfriends, you're like, fuck, she sees me. She calls me on my shit. We have this great dynamic. I feel empowered at the end. I feel excited. Um, I want to go into action. It was those conversations, but I almost hate calling myself a coach because I don't really feel like. <laughs> I've said this a hundred times on this podcast. And you guys, if you have, if this is your first podcast, well, welcome. This is a great one. I'm super grateful that you're here, but there's, you know, I've talked about this a hundred times, right? My business became very similar to yours, very organically, not one time in the last 13 years that I've been doing this and last five years full-time in the business. Have I ever been asked what certificate I have? It's like, I have the life and the business that people want and they want to know how I got there. And then I can support them along the journey, right? And that's exactly what you're doing. But you really focus in on the financial because you have been able to do something. You're, you know, you're a unicorn in a man's world. I loved when I was in the golf industry, I will always say right now, like the best lessons I've ever learned are from my guy friends. I was like surrounded by extremely, extremely wealthy, successful men. And I'm so, so grateful for that because a lot of the lessons that I learned, I brought to the business that I have now. I bring to the women that I work with now. I mean, there's just something so great in that. But also too, you grew up in, or you not even grew up, but you were just working in an industry, the tech industry, especially as a woman, you know, you're a 1% unicorn. But one thing that you talk a lot about is the finances, the financial freedom. And I think that's really where I want to talk about a little bit, because I think one thing that you and I were talking about on a phone call was the fact that like women are afraid to talk about finances. Like very, very nervous to talk about finances and you have a good reason for that. So I'd love for us to kind of dive into um, talking about women and finances. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of shame and embarrassment that we maybe don't understand it as well as we perceive we should. And like, I'm just here to say like, fuck, nobody understands it when they're first starting out. Like we know, and, and like these dudes that are successful investors, guaranteed they knew nothing when they started out. So taking the shame away of like starting to ask the question of like, wherever you're at, like, honestly, it can be as simple as I have never even spent the time to figure out how much I earn versus how much I spend. And I don't actually really know how to do that. And then when you have a quick conversation, they, it's not, they're smart women. The women I work with are super ambitious and super smart. It's just, they've never taken the time and they're kind of embarrassed. They haven't, but there's no shame in that. And so that's, I think that's the biggest reason why women shy away is they're, they're a little embarrassed and a little ashamed that they don't know more and they've never really taken the time to learn about it. Yeah. So they're kind of lurking on Instagram and trying to learn here and there and like, well, you're the person to come to. If you're lurking on social media, they, they come to you. Find Nicole, Aria Wealth. And we'll we'll put it in the show notes and you can explain where everyone can find you. But I also think too, like one thing that we were talking about on our phone call was the fact that like a lot of women 
give that to their spouses. Or perhaps their spouse is the main breadwinner. They stay home with the kids. So they feel like they shouldn't be a part of that. And like, they can't know anything about that. For me, that scares the living shit out of me. That literally scares the death out of me because I want to know, like I'm in the knock on wood, the greatest marriage I, I think that I could possibly ever be in. Like I'm, I've, I've been with my husband for like 19 years. It's he's my best friend in the whole entire world. But I also too, I want to know. And I, and like, I'm the first person to say, I have become so educated by having the conversations with him. He is a big, you know, he makes a lot more money than me. He work, he has multiple different companies, but I want to know, like, I didn't even know what depreciation was, but on that coin, I mean, I have clients who don't even know what a write-off is and they feel comfortable asking me, but they've never asked the questions. Absolutely. I think part of what happens for a lot of women, I mean, there's the two camps. There's the women that have children and the women that don't. And the reason why I divide them is because they're equally awesome and amazing is the women that have children often say to me, I couldn't take on another fucking thing. Yeah. I'm running the house. I'm taking care of the kids. I'm not getting any goddamn sleep. I'm about to go to work. The last thing I want to talk to my husband about or learn about is refinancing our mortgage or whatever the example is, you know, like they're just... They, they give it over, not necessarily because they just can't take on one more thing. They're exhausted. Um, and they're, that's part of the shame too, is they look back later when their kids are a little older and they're getting sleep and things have shifted and they're like, shit, I never learned that because I just handed it to him. So there's those situations. And then there's a lot of the other women that I talk to that maybe don't have children. It's that, that they feel like their partner knows more about it. So it's easier to just defer to them. Um, especially the one the the women that don't have children yet or not going to at all. It's just easier. He knows more. He seems more interested in it. I'd rather just, you know, do the things I do. And then what happens later is either the relationship's falling apart or they want to make a big decision, like they want to invest in something or do something. And their partner's like, well, no, because X, Y, and Z. And they're like, well, I didn't even know that we were in debt or I didn't even know that we had made that investment. or I didn't. And they're like taken aback because they don't even understand their own financial situation. So a lot of the women that, that I end up connecting with are really ready to change that. You know, they're, they're really just step, ready to step in. So let's talk about that. So if I'm a woman who has never known anything about finances, let's kind of start with someone who like does not have any clue about finances. Perhaps their husband has um, taken that role, their whole relationship, or perhaps they're quite young, or perhaps they're newly divorced and they have to take it on. What would you say are the first few steps to creating some stability and some like calmness around financials? I guess this is maybe where I would be the, the fork in the road into the, the types of people you would connect with. I'm not the person that rah-rah budgets. I'm definitely more on the side of, okay, I'm Susie. I'm sitting here. I've decided I want to go on this journey. Um, how much do I make? So I, I go through the process of like, I make this much from my job or my business, this much. And I, I do the investigative work to really learn how much income is coming into my household, whether that's me on my own or me with the partner or whatever. Then I flip it and I go, okay, so if I was living my ideal life, what would my life cost? And then I would go through the process of really being an investigator again. Well, how much does it cost to 
um, pay for my car? How much it co- does it cost to pay for my mortgage or my my rent? Um, how much does it cost to save to go to Greece? How, like, and I would write that light that list out of like this is the life I want to be living with list, and I would sit with that for a little bit. It's like okay, and before I even would like start doing the like comparison of like do I have enough money to do that, I'd then I'd then go. Okay, so I have a life I'm living today that I've committed to. I've committed to all these expenses. And this is why I connect with so many women in their 20s. It's before they've made big decisions. It's before they bought that apartment or bought that car. Connecting with them because they have that opportunity to start right before they've made all these big decisions versus us in our 30s and 40s. We're committed to the mortgage or we're committed to whatever, right? So then it's like, okay, let's get realistic. What are you committed to? What does your life cost? That awareness of understanding what you make versus what you spend creates the opportunity for you to go, okay, I have extra or I don't have enough. And now what am I going to do to like write that ship? Instead of it being like, I'm going to create a budget. I'm in a scarcity way of thinking. I don't make enough. Like that didn't work for me. I need to sit there and dream and go, oh shit. Okay. I'm $1,800 short of having my dream life. Cause like that's when I did this right before my divorce finalized, I sat down and I did this and I was like, I'm only $1,800 short of this. I can figure out $1,800 and then I can live my dream life. Is that not freaking the best thing ever? When you told me that on the phone call, I was like, yeah, this chick has got to come on my podcast because I think so, like, I, what do you think? 95% of people do it the exact opposite. They oh, go into this scarcity. Thing. They go immediately into scarcity. I mean, I know these humans. Half these humans are like family and friends, right? Like, and and even clients too. Like, I mean, this is so mind-blowing. Hey, y'all, it's Christina. I just wanted to jump in here real quick. On a recent podcast, I mentioned that I have been on over 100 free discovery calls over the last year. And I want to do the exact same thing in 2022. People often wonder, well, what do I get out of these calls? Men and women from around the world who are jumping on these calls are walking away from the calls with more clarity, figuring out the mindset block that's stopping them from feeling really confident to make more money, feel fulfilled, and know what next step they have to take in order to decide it's their turn. So if you've ever thought about jumping on one of these calls, I would absolutely love to talk to you. So feel free to send me a text at 501 222-3362. Text me the word call and we can book one of those calls or head over to the show notes and you've got a link to my website where you can book a free discovery call with me. Okay. So you were about to get divorced. You were like, okay, this is how much I have. This is my ideal life. I'm $1,800 a month different. What did you do? Okay. So I, (laughs) I love this, please. I know I'm such a nerd when it comes to this stuff. I was looking around my life and I was like, okay, well, this is exciting. I'm going to have everything I wanted and then some for $1,800. I realized that I couldn't work anymore at the time. I had a really intense tech job. Um, I had three kids. I was single parenting. Um, I'd taken on a big mortgage on my own. I had to find my partner out. Like All these big things had changed in my life. So I was like, I can't really work more because I want to be present for my kids. So I got my upper part of my house dialed up. I, you know, like cleaned it, made it really nice. And I got it up on Airbnb and I decided, okay, I'm going to rent my house out for, I think at the time I decided four weeks this summer and I'm going to move down into my basement suite. Now I know this is like not going to apply to everyone, but it's just a simple example of, I looked at what my life was and how I could create, I think it was $12,000 
And the reason why I wanted to create $12,000 was because I really wanted to save an emergency account because it played into my dream life. It played into the freedom. It played into like how I was not going to ever feel stressed about money. And then I looked at like, okay, well, I'm going to call the insurance company. I went, I called everybody. I'm like, am I getting the best rate? Negotiated a bunch of rates. So I lowered some bills just by like making some calls, um, rented the house out a little bit. What was the other thing I did? I think I sold some things. I go, I'm just trying to think like early days. No, I think this is so, so important because most people again go into, oh my gosh, I have to get more work or I have to get a pay raise. And those are the only two options. My belief 100% for everything is there's always a way to yes. There is always a way to yes, folks. And this is with finances too. I know for a fact, if I had to create an extra $1,200 a month, I would 100% motherfucking figure it out. You would, but do you know why? Because you don't have a lot of limitations. See, when I talk to people about when people complain and say, I can't because I can't afford it. It's like, okay, well, do you really, really want it? Because if you can't afford it, like, I just don't believe in the, like, you can't, right? Yeah. So there's just always this like different decision you can make, you know, to spend a little less here or there. Cause like a lot of the women that say, I want to be an investor, but I can't possibly find $250 a month to invest. I can't, I just can't do it. It's just not there. I said, okay, well, like, let's go through like how you, cause I'm not like, there's no shame, but like, let's go through it. And they go through it and then they add up, like, let's just pick on like skincare. <laughs> like I, I like, I like to spend money on skincare. Like I want to have nice skin for sure. But this one woman I worked with, she added it up and I think she was at something like $670 a month or something. She was spending on facials, the creams, um, eyelashes. I don't know. Just like, it all added up. And she's just like, Ooh, and she's like, yeah, see, I can't afford it. And it was like, yeah, you're right. Based on this, you can't afford it. But how bad do you want financial freedom? Like how bad do you want this? If you really want this, you could make a different decision about how you allocate your money today, or you could find more money or like, you don't have to always get rid of things. You can, you can find money like I did. And she was just like, you know what? Like, I actually really don't think I need to do this anymore, that anymore. And I think she shaved like $270. I can't remember off. And she's like, I can be an investor. Yep. On streets, you can be an investor. You can be an investor with $50 a month. Oh, I love it. It's so good. Even when I talk to people like about, you know, changing their lives and like joining my programs and stuff like that. I remember specifically, I'll never forget it. I had like an hour long conversation with with this woman at the salon one day. And she basically told me how her life was a dumpster fire. She hated everything about it. And yet when I told her the price of my $4,500 mastermind for four months, she looked at me like, you might as well have seen a ghost. And yet she was getting her hair done for, you know, however much money she had a Louis Vuitton bag. She was driving a very nice vehicle, all of those things that did not make her happy. And yet she said she had no money to do the thing that was actually going to change her life. And it, it just, you know, you, you and I get it. Like, it's just, it, it blows your mind and like, you have to figure out what's more important to you. So like this woman having financial freedom, having that like safety blanket of investing $250 a month, she literally looked at eyelashes and I'm not saying eyelashes. Like I am the first person. I love Botox. I love hair. Oh. I love all of the things, yep. but I guarantee mother trucking to you. <laughs> like I will choose the thing that like is long-term happiness and figure out how to get that extra money. If it's something that's really important to me. 
it's it's that understanding too is like you are really in control of your life right so you can decide whatever you want if you want to decide that that stuff's more important to you then that's fine that's fine but you can't say to people or use the story i can't because it's not true it's like i can i'm choosing not to exactly and that's more powerful much more powerful to say no I can probably do that. I 100% can do that, but I'm just choosing not to because this feels easier and this feels safe to me, right? Totally. And to be really vulnerable, what really sparked the wealth thing is, like I said earlier, I didn't set out to be wealthy. I set out to feel worthy. And the wealthy stuff came out of curiosity of like, oh, all these dudes are making all this money and I want to make all this money because they're getting to do all these things. And and I was like, I, I'm curious. Like it was really a curiosity more than anything. And also too, I never wanted to feel stuck again. I never wanted to be in a marriage or in a job or in a situation where I'm like, I can't leave because I don't have an emergency account. And I don't, I just... I got that sense of like, I want to never be beholden or feel stuck again. I want to feel always empowered. And one way I can always be empowered is to understand finances, have backup plans upon backup plans. And and also too, like when you're dealing with challenging things like, you know, maybe it's like you have a parent who's not well, or for me, little kids, um, it's a lot of reacting. You know, you're reacting every day, dealing, caring, and you know, being a people leader in a tech company, especially, you know, your your whole job is to make sure people are living their best career, really. And I got to see my investments growing while other things were like me feeling like I was propping up. And so it was this really nice balance of like, okay, this bank account's growing, this investment's growing, and it balanced out my life in such a nice way. Mm, it's so cool. So if someone comes to you and says, I want to start investing. Like what would be the, like, what do you always kind of say? Like, I don't know, maybe you do point them to certain things, but like, is there any questions that you ask? Because I know a lot of people, whether they have an extra $500 a month, $200 a month, $5,000 a month. I think a lot of women don't know what to do. Don't know where to put it. Don't know how to actually do it. What does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. And this is where I definitely defer to some experts, but I always share what I've learned, which is I'm kind of a bit of, I would say lazy and maybe that's the wrong term, but (laughs) I I look for things that are going to be the path of least resistance a little bit. So I really understand and love real estate. So for me that I knew for me, that was going to be something that I was going to do the most amount of research and time and, 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 and lean into that. But, um, I, with stock market in particular, I didn't understand it. It felt like a lottery ticket or like gambling. And where I started with that was, is like, okay, I'm not going to be the stock picking expert. And my buddy Warren Buffett, you know, (laughs) I read all the books and something about him really resonated because although he's the guy that like reads five hours a day and like really knows so much and has obviously understands what he's doing, he so clearly says, I would tell my wife if I passed away and you know, she should put all of her money in the S&P 500, some sort of like an ETF, put it in there and let it just build, you know, and he just, he, he says it over and over and over again. I was like, okay, well, my buddy Warren says that. So like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to find some really great ETFs that like represent the market. For Not- those who don't know what an ETF is, would you explain that? It's a fund that holds um, upwards of X amount of stock. So it mimics the S&P, so standard and poor. If you're familiar all with the stock market, it's like if you wanted to have a very safe investment, you would invest there 
because it's what performs over time versus saying picking Google or picking. So like uh, there are funds, there are funds. It's a fund and they have a very low management rate. So if you were to do a mutual fund, this is where I'm not a financial expert. I was just like, what is the thing that is the easiest that has the best track record? And ETFs for me were like, I put money in every month. So instead of me like looking for dips and waiting to invest and like feeling panicky, what I do is I invest every month, certain amount. So I catch some high months, some low months, but it averages out over the year. That is not where I started. Where I started was how much do I feel comfortable losing? Like this is being super vulnerable. Like when I started this, it was not like I've got money to invest in the stock market. It was like, I'm going to try this because so many people have had a lot of luck with this. And I dipped my like pinky toe in like, oh, okay, $1,000. If I'm comfortable, okay, if I lose this, I'll be okay. It's not the end of my life. And I put it in a fund thinking it's probably just going to evaporate. This is the stupidest thing I've ever done. Well, I'll be super vulnerable. I remember when I had just finished um, college. So I, when I came out of college quite late and I was dating Nathan at the time and he was, you know, investing in the stock market. I definitely didn't have a ton of money, but I remember every, um, I think it was every month I put in $200. I was like, okay, I can afford $200 a month. And that's all I started with. And I put it in like my Roth. And I know you're in Canada and we're in the US and some of the words are a little bit different. But like in Canada, what do you guys call it? A A TFSA. TFSA. Ours is like a Roth account. But I remember just putting like 200 bucks a month. I was like, I can afford $200 a month. And you guys, you can do 50. Like it really doesn't matter. You could do $50 a month. Just something that comes out automatically that you do not even think. I think now I'm up to like my gosh, I think like 2,500 a month or something like that, which is awesome. Like you do the math on that of how long I've been doing that at that rate. Like, I don't care how much money you have. That's a lot of money at the end of your life or at retirement age. Like that's going to like end up being a lot of money. And I think that people, you know, it's something that simple, whether it's you start at $50 or you get to $5,000, whatever it may be, but at least it's something, at least you're investing something. Well, you see what happened. I mean, I think where I kind of got to is like, I'm not the smartest person around money or investing, but there's a lot of really smart people out there that are putting a lot of information that I could just figure out who I want to listen to and start mimicking really successful people. and. There was a lot of talk around how terrible it was to leave your money in a savings account Mm -hmm. and what happens with inflation. And and I was like, oh, wait, okay, so this is great that I saved this money for my emergency account and I do need to keep a certain amount there. But now I'm basically losing money is what you're telling me because I'm not investing it. And, you know, you start to pay attention. I think that's really what it was. You couldn't have told the 25 year old me, though. Like you did. People told me. They told me about compound interest and how important it was to start investing young. But I, I couldn't do it. I wasn't interested. I was over whatever the reasons. I had all the excuses. My son, who's 21, he started his TFSA the second he could. He puts, I think he does $200 a month, which is at a great sacrifice for him. Like he's young, right? Like $200 a month is not very much money, but he gets it. Like he, he's got a different brain than me. It's like, he saw it all and he was just like, I'm not willing to give up that much money. So I am going to start it now. But I started at 37 years old. Yeah. I did not start at 21 years old. Like my husband did not believe in investing. He believed we were going to put all of our money into our startups or tech companies. 
So we didn't do the stock market. We didn't do any of the traditional investments. We we lived really close to the wire. So it wasn't until my marriage imploded and I was like, I'm on my own. I get to redefine what success looks like, what freedom looks like, my comfort level. And I was like, I want to learn about a little bit about everything and then figure out where I want to put my money. Yeah, that's so good. So if you are someone who it like doesn't matter how old you are, you could be listening to this at 17, you could be listening to this at 67. It's literally not too late, like literally not too late. So the first thing Nicole said is number one, you've got to figure out you're worthy of it. I think that that's like a hundred percent bang on. Like if you have not figured out that you are worthy to have financial freedom, it is going to be an uphill climb. And I am a perfect example of that. Nicole's an example of that. And that's, you know, a whole bunch of different podcasts and a whole bunch of different conversations. But, you know, it starts with as simple as like making a decision. And, you know, you can do this shit with like literally sticky notes around your house and affirmations. It's going to take some time. Do not think that there is like this secret that someone else has like got that you don't have. Nicole and I just told you the secret. We've just been fucking doing it on repeat for however many years now. And then figuring out how much money you have, how much money you bring in and how much money it is for your ideal life. And if you are, you know, unsure of that process, definitely reach out to Nicole. She can definitely help you with that. No question. And then figure out what you want to invest in. What would the next thing be? What do you guide your clients um, after that? After they've gotten really aware and um, potentially started, I would encourage them to figure out what they're most interested in. So um, for some women, it's they just want to do it like me, which is like they really want something really easy. And then there's the other women that are way more sophisticated. They really want to start learning about the specific stocks or they want to go in a direction. That's when they graduate into somebody else who knows so much more about that. Um, but often I'm finding that the women that I work with are really trying to like fit this into a very, very busy life. It doesn't become all consuming to them. They just realize they want to be in more control, have more freedom. They're doing well. But Christina, we um, often women that start working with me, they don't come for wealth. They come because they're really ambitious and they can't figure out why they're not having the success in the life they want. Mm. That's why they first come to me. So once they get to this point where they're investing and they're, they're confident, it's like, we've just become friends. And, you know, we work together in a different way, you know, more informally. So I would say women are with me for just a period of time, not a long, long time, like maybe three years max, because they're ready for something more. Oh, that's so good. If someone is listening to this, where can they find you? How can they find you? How do we follow you? What kind of content do we get? Tell me all the things. Okay. So I'm really new to this whole digital world. I just left my tech role about a year ago and I got myself on Instagram a couple months ago. So I have an Instagram account at Oreo Wealth. I, two weeks ago, got very strongly encouraged by my 14-year-old daughter to get on TikTok. Which is so smart. Everyone and their mother's on TikTok, but Christina over here. However, my team is apparently going to start taking my shit and put it on TikTok. Yes. Yes. Honestly, you are made for TikTok. (laughs) The reason why I say that is there's not that same pressure to be aesthetic and organized. And like you and I are not like that. We like to swear. Exactly. You don't, we're like, I don't find myself to be a super organized person. Like if I feel inspired to hop on and say something, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it once. And then I'm going to press post. I don't care to edit. Like that's just not who I am. I don't want to spend my time that way. I don't have a big team behind me. So TikTok's like, okay, like you're, I'm more TikTok. I think like, we'll see. I don't know. 
I don't know how to use this shit though. Like this is the problem. Like I literally had to hire an Instagram coach to just teach me the basics. And then my daughter is now teaching me the basics of TikTok. But so those are the two places I hang out. Um, I, I really, really like it, but I also don't like in full disclosure, I don't like that. Um, you know, when you're early in a business, like there's so much tech that you're needing to learn. So I really am honest about that. I'm learning like when the shit cuts off, I'm like, ah, sorry. Like I don't try and. And I love it because you're a tech founder. You sat on a tech That's the best part of that whole story, folks. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because people think that you got to be well-educated. You've got like, I think people think you have to have your shit more figured out than you do. You know? Absolutely. None of us do. Newsflash, if you got anything out of this podcast, we are all shit shows, but we seem to figure it out. I love yeah. it. And you find people that like, like that about you, you know, they, you find people that are self-deprecating as well and can laugh at themselves. And, you know, I, I'm a people person. I'm not technical. So I, I know when I'm weak and I get help. Yes. I love it. Well, you guys, if you are needing some financial freedom help or figuring out the mindset behind some financial freedom, Nicole is your girl, Aurea Wealth, A-U-R-I-A Wealth on Instagram and now TikTok. Go check her out. Thank you, girl, for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you all so much for joining me on today's episode of the Decide It's Your Turn podcast. If today's episode resonated with you at all, please share it with a friend. Also, head on over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and a comment. What is it that you want us to talk about that will help you realize that at any moment and any day, you too can decide it's your turn. I'm Christina LeCure. I'll see you next time.